Hello everyone, and welcome back to the GMS podcast. This episode, we're going to take a look at sanctions, which I know is a burning issue for everyone in shipping. I'm joined today by three experts in the field. The global senior partner at INTS, Mr. Julian Clark, ex-Royal Marine and INTS lifer Stephen Askins, now senior partner at Tatham, and my colleague and GMS legal counsel, Ms. Prachi Shah. Very warm welcome to you all. I think it's fair to say that the reach of sanctions against Russia, combined with a, a growing need to take a moral stand against what's happening in Ukraine, has left shipping somewhat confused. People are talking about a knee-jerk reaction. Julian, you've talked about war risk cover being removed from the Black Sea, potentially due to fear of secondary sanctions. Julian, I think you've also referred to a perfect storm of morality and fear. So it certainly appears that the application, or at least the threat of sanctions, is far wider than we've seen before. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty, would you maybe all agree that this round of sanctions, which appear to be initially focused on finance is potentially more pervasive than we've seen before. Julian? Thanks, John. The answer to that is yes. I think this is completely unprecedented, both in terms of the reach of sanctions, steps like the UK taking a decision not only to close its ports to entities that are on a sanctions list, but indeed any vessel which is flagged, owned, operated or connected with Russia. And then President Biden issuing a new executive order to ban all oil imports uh, and gas imports into the US in relation to Russian origins. So I don't think we've ever seen this kind of uh, really very extreme joined up approach from sanctions. And then on top of that, you're seeing this real moral issue happening where, again, unprecedented as far as I've seen in the 30 odd years, I've been advising on sanctions, which is, you know, companies from McDonald's to Visa to Amex to Starbucks closing down operations, sending staff home, major city London law firms shutting their offices in Moscow, Russian law firms in London closing their London branch office because the lawyers there just saying we're not prepared to work for this Russian firm anymore. So, yeah, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. Thanks, Julian. Stephen, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I I would endorse everything Julian's just said. And I think what's also interesting is this morality. And I'm sure we can talk about that a little bit more. But inevitably, there's been this sort of overshoot. And, And not only are we seeing governments imposing sanctions on either named individuals or generic groups, you know, such as Russian ship owners or those that control Russian vessels, but I think we're seeing the public kind of imposing sanctions. I think that the reaction of perhaps someone like McDonald's or Coca-Cola is because that that have begun to trend on social media. I think that these companies are sensing that there's going to be a big backlash if they are are not seen to be in line with, with the government kind of processes. And we've seen that a little bit, haven't we, over the last few days where ports and workers at ports have taken the steps of refusing to discharge Russian cargoes. And they are not necessarily sanctioned at all at the moment. There's nothing against Russian cargoes coming into UK ports. But we have the public sort of overshoot which is going to make it very difficult to navigate. And of course, on the flip side, we've seen Russia now list countries which they regard as unfriendly 
and that means I think well we don't know what that means it's incredibly vague and just adding to the commercial uncertainty where if you're going to do business let's say the the Russians are going to mirror what the UK have done so if you're going to do business with an EU vessel or a EU controlled vessel you're going to have to get permission from some central commission so are we going to see unfriendly ships detained in Russia? Are we going to see crew from unfriendly states dragged into this on an individual level? So I think it's a very febrile atmosphere, but overall it's an extraordinary world effort to isolate Russia and Russian interests. Yeah, I think it's the first time I've ever seen anything like this. Julian, in terms of the practical guidance you can offer ship owners, are you getting lots of questions from clients about chartering and S&P issues? Yeah, John, the answer is yes. Inundated at the moment with those questions. And I think actually for, for some considerable time, probably since the point where President Trump really started to get excited about the imposition of secondary sanctions in the US and that long arm reach of OFAC, there's been a need to really grasp and get to grips with regulatory compliance. So not just sanctions, but KYC, anti-money laundering, ensuring that you don't get to show uh, that you've got a clear due diligence chain as to the deals you're getting into, the people you're dealing with, trying to really track down as much information as you can. And I, I can tell you from applications that I've had to make to OFAC to get special licenses, what they want to see is that degree of due diligence and systems. Uh, so I think that starts to become paramount. Thanks, Julian. Stephen, what kind of questions are you getting from your clients? Yeah, I mean, um, in terms, I mean, I haven't had to give advice on the purchase side of things, but certainly on the chartering side, you know, Julian's right, there's, it's the due diligence. But, you know, the, the, the ship owning community has had to deal with adversity. They're, they're in the business of making money. So they're, they're always going to be looking for ways around it. And it's a bit like the point about, you know, can I take Russian cargoes and, and where is the line? And I think Julian's right. You know, we go back to the secondary sanctions. Everybody's been very worried about that. But generally, the market has coped very easily with that because it's very been very clear to understand who the designated people were and what your obligations were. I think we're just in an environment now where it's completely different. But the other thing that, you know, I've noticed, there were people about to load cargoes to come to UK ports just as the the changes were coming in. And one thing that struck me, though, was that, you know, certain people have got very long-standing relationships, for example, with Russian ship owners because they've got a particular type of vessel which is very particular to their type of trade. And they kind of want to make sure that those relationships are going to be there at the end of this. So people are seeing this as something which will have an end somewhere down the line and, and are, are anxious kind of not to beat everybody up, but to recognise that they're going to be constrained in certain trades for the time being. But they do want to go back to them. You know, they're, they're, they're commercial people. And I think that goes back to the sort of overall feeling that there isn't a war against Russia, that it's very much being focused around Putin and what he's doing, and that for the commercial world, there is going to be an end to this. It is a really difficult situation because of, obviously if you're a ship owner or a charterer, you want to be paid and you want to know that you can discharge cargo at the destination that you're taking it because anything else means it's going to cost you money. But people are still weighing up the commercial risk of what they're doing, I think. Thanks, Stephen. Prachi, you're sitting in the legal department at GMS. 
Is it as confusing a picture as the lawyers are painting it? Sanctions are very layered and given the gravity of the situation, they were not introduced systematically and with a handbook on how to proceed the way it was done in phases in context of Iran and Venezuela previously. This has left a lot of questions unanswered in sale and purchase transactions of second-hand vessels as well as chartering of vessels. Due diligence being paramount, every owner has to go the extra mile to ensure that they are compliant with sanctions, but the fear of the situation changing within a few days, making owners non-compliant over- overnight is very real. The Lakans and SNP contracts are sometimes lengthy, leaving the purchasers vulnerable to the ever-changing scenario. In these circumstances, despite protective clauses like force majeure and sanctions, it is difficult for payments already made to find a channel way back to the purchasers who entered the transactions as bona fide and compliant. Secondly, looking at the energy and shipping markets, without going into the arbitrage created in the prices and markets as a result of overnight sanctions, owners are in a disarray with respect to do's and don'ts of loading and discharging cargoes at certain ports with respect to certain shippers, receivers, etc. I believe more proactive assistance is required for, from countries imposing sanctions and advisories need to be issued actively to assist unsuspecting owners to mitigate the risk of falling afoul. Given the scenario, it is of utmost importance to determine where the buck stops despite exercise of due diligence on sanctions and what further steps can be taken to protect interests of innocent ship owners and purchasers of second-hand vessels who may find themselves on the wrong side of the law in the present scenario. Stephen, how can owners reduce their risk in this situation? There's a difference between the situation where contracts are already in existence and therefore you're dealing with whatever you've got in front of you and of course the use of sanctions clauses and things like that or force majeure clauses have been around for some time now so we're obviously used to construing those but again if you are going to enter into these contracts it's, it's about really making sure you understand where the risk is going to sit and who wants to take that commercial risk in case something goes wrong or in case we get to a situation where somebody feels they can't go forward with the contract. So as always, it's down to really, really understanding that commercial risk and who wants to bear it. It it is a minefield. I mean, if you've got a company based in Geneva where a di- you know whether a subsidiary company whether a director is a designated person to what extent are we as lawyers even allowed to advise them you know where where does it all stop and start and certainly in this country there's the office of financial sanctions implementation where you can write to them and they will very quickly or quite quickly tell you what you should be doing and in terms of disclosing information even if you think you know what the answers are on a Tuesday, the th- problem is it's changed by Wednesday. So we're all tiptoeing around this very, very carefully. Julian, it's a minefield? Yes, it is. I think what we're seeing now is the need to bring in across specialisations. So it's not just you know somebody that's a shipping expert in order to be able to uh, advise on the trade implications or the ship sale and purchase implications but it's somebody that understands sanctions. But if you're lucky enough, as I am, to have a firm that has a wide enough breadth of expertise, uh, you bring in financial crime lawyers, you bring in uh, your risk analysts. So we're actually deploying people that we use on our internal risk to look at how we onboard clients as a law firm to make sure that we are in line with our regulator 
and taking that system that, that not only looks at you know trafficking of vessels and everything else, but starts to do behavioural analysis. Um, so it's having access to all that kind of toolkit that's now available. Indeed. And Prachi, uh, what changes are you seeing uh, when it comes to KYC and, and the application of KYC? Further to what I already mentioned on the ongoing structures and uh, compliances that existed in companies with respect to KYC, it has progressed a lot since shipping structures have become more bespoke and Chinese walls have been more difficult to breach than ever. In the last week itself, we have seen a complete overhaul of KYC requirements in the market in S&P as well as chartering. Stephen? Yeah, I haven't got very much to add to that. I mean, KYC is obviously important. I don't do so much transactional work, but but for those that do, it's just going to be so important, particularly if there's a suggestion that people are divesting themselves of assets. We're going to have to be really, really careful in those sort of transactional deals. And it's about doing as much as possible to work out who you're dealing with. And we are used to doing that, but there, there is probably good reason why some people are going to try harder not to disclose some of the information that in karma times they would have been more happy to do so. Just a point on the morality we've seen over recent days, and I'm sure Julian's dealing with a similar sort of things, is that we've got a lot of crew stuck in Ukrainian ports. And over the last few days, owners have taken steps to secure a safe passage of them to sort of Moldova or, or, or wherever. But from my point of view, one of the things that I've seen immediately is ex-special forces holding themselves out as people that can move stuff. And one of the things that I've been concerned about is the amount of money that they're, they're charging. You know, that in some cases you're organising buses at a very low cost price. But some of the quotations that I've heard, you know, people being charged to, to carry out these exercises. As an ex-military person, I do have some, some concerns that people say you make money in wars and of course people take risks. There's a fine line, I think, on the morality of, of what people do. And that's something else that we've, we're all having to sort of deal with, a, a moral component to how we do business and who we're working for. Yeah, I mean, I'd just endorse what, what Stephen said. And actually, I think Stephen alludes to a, a very other important point there, which I, I know this will be something close to his heart. When you face these international crises, overnight, everybody seems to become an expert. And Stephen, of course, was one of the very few real experts in relation to what happened in the Gulf of Aden and piracy. But suddenly everybody thought they were a piracy expert. And I think that's the same warning now with sanctions. Anybody can Google the OFAC list and find out if there's a name of a party on that list, but actually understanding and interpreting what those lists mean and what the regulations mean is really complicated. That's where it can come very unstuck. So I think this is an area where you do need expert advice and that advice is available from you know people like Stephen and hopefully myself. Indeed it is. Time's up, unfortunately, but thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on sanctions for this podcast. Thank you to Julian Clark, Global Senior Partner at INTS, Stephen Askins, senior partner at Tatham, and Prachi Shah, our very own legal counsel at GMS. 